Good morning, Renew family, and all of you in Facebook Live world. This is Pastor Dave Sim, and this is the fifth Sunday of Lent um, as we journey with Jesus in the wilderness towards the cross and to his resurrection, and we anticipate his resurrection that comes uh, at Easter. It's actually two weeks from Easter. Can you believe it? And uh, it's three weeks uh, since we've been doing live streaming and have not met face-to-face in our sanctuary. And I just have to say that I miss you very much. And I wish that um, I could be there with you, that I could um, be present in all of your lives. And I wish I could speak words of comfort uh, to those of you who are feeling anxious, feeling afraid, feeling doubt. Um, But I do know that it's not my call as a disciple of Jesus and a pastor um, to give cheap platitudes or to call us to some empty happiness and empty joy, to be a cheerleader and go, rah, rah, rah. Like, in two weeks, this will all be done. Everything's going to be okay. And we're going to meet. Our church will be packed on Easter. And we're going to be in our best suits and our best dresses wearing our hats, taking pictures of our cute kids as they do the Easter egg hunt. There will be an Easter egg hunt in person. I can't say that because I don't know that. It's a mystery. And in fact, I think this trial, these hard times, this crisis, um, this epidemic is going to continue for who knows, only God knows for how long. And so any cheap platitudes... um, would be fake news. But what I can say, and I do know, is that you should embrace the fear that you feel. Don't chase it away. If you are feeling fear, then allow yourself to feel that. If you're anxious, that's real. If you're anxious about your future, what the future holds, when this will be over, when you can go back to work, if you'll be able to make ends meet, if your parents, the older people in your life that you love um, are going to survive this, if your children are going to be all right without school for a long time, I know that you're anxious. These are real feelings. Don't chase them away. Don't push them away or sweep them under the rug. This is not what the church does. This is not what people of faith do. But we are a light and a witness in the midst of crisis. We are afraid, yes. We are suffering, yes. We feel trials and tribulations, yes. Um, But we continue on and walk in faith, knowing that God is present with us. Not to ease our pain, not to give us, numb us from our pain, but to walk alongside us, giving us perspective, giving us vision, giving us hope, and stretching our hearts as um, he's glorified in the midst of all of this. And uh, our passage today comes out of John eleven thirty one 31 through 45. And this is the second half of the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And... In this passage, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. 
And in verse 25, actually in the first part of John chapter 11, um, we see Jesus interacting with Martha after Lazarus has died. And he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Even though death takes us. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And whoever, verse 26, believes, lives by believing in me will never die. And he says to Martha, do you believe this? Martha replies, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. I believe. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for who Jesus is. That Jesus, you are the Messiah. You have come to save the world. That death does not have the last word. That you are the resurrection and the life. And that though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there, and when we believe in you, we can never die. We can never die. We believe. Help our unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. And so when we go to the top of John chapter 11, um, we learn the story, we know the story of Jesus and two sisters and a brother. They're like family to them. Jesus had intimate, loving relationships with friends. And this in of itself is amazing to me, that Jesus really loved groups of people, his disciples. He had a special relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And we see this throughout this passage in chapter 11, how he loved them, how he loved Mary and Martha, how he loved Lazarus. But we learn that Lazarus is sick. And Jesus and his disciples have gone away from Jerusalem to avoid the religious leaders who are seeking their death. They're irate at them. They're seeking to persecute them. So Jesus and his disciples go away from Jerusalem. But Lazarus becomes sick. The man that he loves becomes sick. And Mary and Martha send word to Jesus. Jesus. The man that you love, Lazarus, is sick. When he heard this, it says in verse 4, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. It is for God's glory. Hold on to that. What does that mean? We heard the same thing um, in the passage where Jesus heals the blind man. Like, who sinned? The, this man or this man's parents, that he was born blind. It was neither, Jesus responds, it was neither this man nor the, this man's parents who sinned, but this man was blind. Well, all of this will happen so that Jesus, God, will be glorified. So this notion of the glory of God in the midst of sickness, in the midst of blindness, in the midst of disease and suffering, Jesus' response is, this is happening 
for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified. Now, the natural question arises, and it's not my theology to say that God causes suffering, that God causes bad things on purpose, that God is causing the coronavirus. That is not what I believe. That is not what I think. What I think, uh, what I think is that there is suffering, that life is difficult, that good and evil exist in our world, and that we're living in this world waiting, we're waiting for the time when life is victorious, right? When victory happens, when Jesus comes, and however you look at it, and we go to heaven, or we witness the renewal of all things, the redemption of all things, and life is victorious, and God is victorious, and finally, death is put down. But for now, we live in the tension of the not yet. There is evil, and there is good. But the choice in the midst of evil and good is to say, oh, suffering, oh, bad things, that's just, there's no God. That's just what happens. And if that were true, then the world is objective. The world is distant. There's no personal God. There's no nothing to love us, to weep with us, to walk with us. But in this passage, we see Jesus have great love for his friends. And Jesus as God demonstrates that God, though suffering happens, is still a good God, is still a God that cares about his people and a God that's deeply and profoundly connected to us. How does a loving God allow this to happen? It says that Jesus waited two days as soon as he heard the news that Lazarus sick was sick. If Jesus had gone right away, he could have healed Lazarus. Right? Why does Jesus wait? What he, tells the, what he tells the disciples is, God will be glorified in all of this. And this is so that you will believe and the Son of Man will be lifted up. Why does Jesus wait two days? And I don't think it's because he's manipulating. <laughs> he's manipulating everything. Like we're all puppets and God is just controlling our destinies. Right? And that he waits so that Lazarus would be die, so Lazarus would die, so he can swoop in like a hero and be like, "Dun da dun! I raised him from the dead. I'm Jesus. I'm powerful. I'm God." That's not what I read in this passage. And so he travels after tallying for two days. He travels back to Jerusalem, to Bethany, to the hometown of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And Martha meets him on the way and says, Jesus, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother Lazarus would still be alive. And this is where Jesus comforts her or speaks theologically to her, actually, to her mind, saying, I am the resurrection and the life. And in a conversation 
much like, um, much like the conversation with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Um, he comforts her by saying, I am the resurrection and the life. Because Mary is asking that same question, has the same thing in her mind when Jesus says, your brother will rise again. I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. This echoes, right? The Samaritan woman. I know that the Messiah is coming and he will tell us all things. And at that point, this is where Jesus reveals his Godship, his Messiah, his, his identity as the Messiah. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I do believe. And after this, Mary, or Martha, goes back uh, to the house where everyone's there. The servants, the friends are all still mourning. And her sister, Mary, is in there. And mind you, Mary is the one who wears her heart on her sleeve. She's the one at the top of the chapter that says, Mary is the one who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. That she had so much gratitude and love for Jesus. She physically right, scandalously, physically demonstrates her love for Jesus. And she's there. And Martha comes to Mary and said, the teacher is here and is asking for you, is asking for you. And she runs out. She runs out to Jesus. And when she sees him, she reaches the place where Jesus saw them. And again, we're here in uh, verse 32. She falls at his feet. It's this passionate. Falls at his feet. Humility. Sadness. Pleading. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. God, if you were here, this virus should not be spreading. God, if you were here, my father would not have died. God, if you were here, my restaurant would not have closed. God, if you were here, my loved one would not have gotten sick. God, if you're here, I would not have lost my job. God, if you're here, you would be providing for me. You would be paying my bills. You would be providing food for me, a place to stay. But no, I don't have these things. Why are these things happening to us? If only you were here, Jesus. If only you were here, these things wouldn't happen. And life would be good. And life would be pleasant. And we can go on as if nothing happened. We can move on instead of living in this doubt and this fear and this sadness walking on eggshells in restriction, in a place of isolation, socially disconnected from our loved ones and from everyone around us with uncertainty down the path. If you were here, this should and would not be happening. And this is what we just say to God all the time. Even if you don't believe in the God, even if you're an atheist, you say, why? Why is this happening? 
And starting from verse 31, I'll read the passage. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come up. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. There is pain in the story. There is death in the story. And Jesus can do something about it. Jesus could have healed Lazarus. Jesus could have stopped his death. But that's not what happens. That's not what happens. And there is death in our lives. There is pain in our lives. And we pray. And sometimes in prayer, miracles happen. And sometimes through prayer, God moves powerfully. But not always. Sometimes this pain does not go away. Sometimes our suffering doesn't go away. Sometimes people die and death has its day. You live, we live now, and tomorrow belongs to God. We live in the now, and tomorrow belongs to God. And I'm here to say that God doesn't cause these bad things to happen. God knows it's happening. God knows it will happen, but God doesn't cause it to happen. But he'll take the life that we're living, he'll take our experiences, he'll take the tragedies and the crises of the world, and he'll make good out of it. He'll turn it for his glory's sake so that we and the world can experience 
his power, his compassion, his spirit. In the end, think about it, in the end of our lives, the question to us isn't going to be, did you live a comfortable and pleasant life? Did you live a comfortable and pleasant life? The question in the end will be, did you turn to your Savior? Do you know him who saved you? Did you walk with him in your life through the ups and downs, right? We as a church, as a country, as humanity, need to learn how to lament. I know I've said this a lot before, but we need to learn how to lament. And I think uh, Christian culture um, in the U.S. and the culture of U.S., the United States at large, we lean too much in, ex in exceptionalism and triumphalism. We say, yeah, rah, rah, rah. It's about the victory. It's about the good times. Stay positive. Be up. The problem with that is sometimes that causes us to be blind to the suffering of the vulnerable and, and the hard things that are happening. We, we set those things aside. We sweep them under a rug. And it's an elephant in the room. And we don't care. We say, no, we're good. This is the best that it ever was. We're the best country that ever lived. God is so good. And he's going to bless us. He's going to bless us. We hold on to our prosperity gospel. We hold on to our exceptionalism. We hold on to triumph. But we miss out on the marginalized. We miss out on the, the suffering. We miss out on the pain. And just sitting in that and lamenting and holding honestly to the things that we feel inside instead of shoving them down. And when we do that, when we do that, we miss out on having a deeper, more intimate, more profound view and knowledge of Jesus who is the Lord of life. Amen? We miss out on the deeper things, the deeper relationship, and we miss out on seeing our neighbors fully. What does it mean that Jesus waits? What does it mean that Jesus waited two days and then Lazarus died? And what does it mean that Jesus weeps with Mary and weeps because of his friend Lazarus' death? It means that God doesn't fast forward our lives. God does not fast forward our lives. God doesn't sh shortcut our experience. God doesn't coddle us in suffering. God doesn't sweep the realities of the world under a rug. But God weeps with us, right? God, Jesus is like the Flash, right? You know the Marvel character, the hero, the Flash, who can run at, the, at really fast speeds. And imagine if you lived with the Flash, if the Flash lived in your home with you, right? And the flash, he can wash the dishes in two seconds. He can fold the laundry in one second. He can mow the lawn, rake the leaves, and paint the house in just minutes. All things that would take hours or even days for you to do. 
So I, if Flash was living in my home, I would just be like kicking up my feet and saying, you do it. It's so much more easier for you to do it, right? But if the Flash did everything for me, what would that make me? I would just become lazy and blind and fat and just, just nothing, right? right? Just a shell of a man. And God has the speed and the knowledge. He's all-knowing. He sees past and present. He knows what's going to happen to Lazarus. He knows what's going to happen to the world. He knows what's going to happen to our lives. And yet, and yet, we want God to be a loving God, right? We want God to answer all of our prayers. God is a compassionate God that slows his infinite speed down so that he can walk alongside us. So God is like the flesh. In order for us to grow and learn and fully live into the human experience and embrace life where we are as we're living it in real time, God cannot fast forward. God cannot coddle us. God cannot keep us from suffering. So it doesn't make sense to be like, God, pluck me out of the situation. He's not going to do that. But God will weep with you. God is with you. He's present with us. Amen. And God is the God of the resurrection and the life. And that's a promise for the future. And it's a promise for now. You can't kill the Lord of life. The coronavirus can't kill the Lord of life. How do you kill the resurrection and the life? How do you take Lazarus and erase the scandal, calling it fake news? No, Jesus did what he did so that he would be glorified and God would be glorified. It's not fake news, in spite of what the religious leaders want to do to cover it up afterwards. In spite of when Jesus died and resurrected, what people wanted to do to cover it up. People either wanted to cover it up or people ran and gave witness and told everyone they knew Jesus, who was dead, is alive again. Just as the people around this scene in our chapter said, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was dead and now he is alive again. Why do we doubt and life? Why do we say, why do we wince at every single obstacle and pain that we experience? We live as if anything but the perfect life and perfect health and perfect situation and all provision and everything to line up perfectly for our little lives. If that doesn't happen, that makes God a terrible person. That makes God a mean God because we didn't get what we want. And it's hard. God, why did you let this happen? In many ways, I can say we are spoiled, right? I don't think God is interested in every little problem that we have. What God is most interested is the long game, the big picture, in the end, the redemption 
of all people, the renewal of all creation, salvation for you and me. That's what he's working towards. That's his biggest concern. And that is our concern. That is what we're here for, people. God is about saving the world and making new all things. Lazarus died so that God would be glorified and the king of life would be lifted up. God didn't cause Lazarus to die. But in Lazarus dying, Jesus was lifted up. God can't skip ahead. God allows us to live our lives and feel what we feel and experience what we experience and die when we die. But you know what? In the midst of all of those things, God is with us, Emmanuel. And the picture and the image of Jesus weeping because he hears Mary weeping. That's empathy, right? Like they say, like, you know how babies, when one baby starts to cry, another baby cries. That's empathy cry, right? That that's what it means to be human, is to feel what others feel. And so Jesus feels what Mary feels. Jesus feels what you feel right now. And he knows what you feel. So don't hide that. Don't shove that down. Don't ignore it because he wants to love you where you're at. And in the same way, we take that when we're renewed by God. It is for the sake of our neighbors, for the renewal of our neighbors, that when we understand what it means to suffer, what it means to doubt, what it means to feel anxious, to be afraid, that we can go and be comforters and healers to a world that is afraid, that is in doubt, that is anxious about the future. And we can say, I am with you just as God is with you. Go and be a light. Go and be a real witness, grounded in life, but knowing that ultimately, in Christ, we have resurrection and life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your seven signs, your seven miracles in John chapter 1 through 11. And for this final seventh miracle of raising Lazarus to life, pointing ahead to your own victory over death, pointing ahead to Easter, to your resurrection, which points ahead to the resurrection and renewal of all things. It points ahead 
to salvation and life eternal, which points ahead to heaven. So in the midst of where we are, we're weak, we're weary travelers. Help us to remember that you are the resurrection and the life. We give you the glory, we give you the praise, and we stand firm um, in the knowledge that you are coming, you are here, and you will come again. In Jesus' name, amen.